1: of the Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Edition. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Hauer and Adam Nolamaro. Today, he's not feeling well. We will miss him because we got a big episode today. We're going to be talking about our top five prospects of the NFL draft, of our fantasy NFL draft, of course, because we're talking about the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. And we're going to be introducing a new drop in today's show, it's going to play a big part in today. We're going to keep it along on all of our episodes coming up too, but today is going to play in a particularly big role, and we'll let you know what we're talking about in just a minute. After, the crew lets us know how we're doing. Adam, how are you today?
2: Doing great. Ready to talk some football.
1: Oh, short and sweet. I love it. Dow Hauer, how are you? You are muted, Dow Hauer. Pay attention. <laughs>
3: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you got to unmute me. <laughs> um, I said I'm super excited to be here I can't wait to talk about some co- my favorite part of the football season, which is the draft. I love the draft, and I can't wait to see what we're going to project and moving forward today.
1: Is that why you're wearing a
3: Miami baseball shirt? That's <laughs> my you. <laughs> it's my you.
1: Well, we'll talk about – We don't have here.
3: too many players going in fantasy relevant-wise, but Whatever.
1: <laughs> no, I was going to say, we're going to talk about Brevin Jordan later in the show. Later, later, later. But yeah, we're going to talk about our top five. What we're going to do is that you know we'll introduce you guys to who we have evaluated, whether it be from a fantasy perspective or talent-wise or whatever, at our top five for each quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. And we're going to be hitting this drop. Now, when you hear this drop, it means we're going to be starting off a debate because the group is split between a player or more the truth you can't handle the truth so whenever you see that drop or hear that drop if you're listening on this later on on the audio version on itunes or spotify anywhere you like to go we're widely available to you on every single podcast platform we're gonna be jumping into a debate into a state your case as to why you have that player ranked ahead of so many others so fellas let's get started here of course we have to start with the quarterback position and as we have our top five, we all have Trevor Lawrence across the board at number one, as everybody does, as there's really no argument to have there. Uh, Dow Howard, you want to just mention a few things about what you like about Trevor Lawrence and what you might like about his potential heading to the Jacksonville Jaguars?
3: I mean, fantasy-wise, you have a guy who runs the ball and throws the ball, and quite often that's the key to you know success, especially when you're a young player. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be utilized a lot with Urban Meyer's system as a running threat and a lot of RPOs. Um, and then you have players like DJ Shark in place, you have a decent offensive line, and it's pretty much he's going to be an unquestionable starter. Some of the other players are, I mean, a little bit debatable whether they start off right off the bat or not. Um, we know Trevor Lawrence is going to be starting from day one. It's pretty much why Urban Meyer took the job. So I think this is a player that we, you know, we all agree is number one on our fantasy, um, you know, charts right now.
1: Yeah, nothing to disagree with there. Trevor Lawrence, number one. It's a nice situation, actually, there with Urban Meyer, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the players they have. So let's move on to our very first. What's go- I'm going to put the rankings up first so everybody can kind of see. Dowhower and I have Zach Wilson. Adam has Justin Fields. Lamarro had Zach Wilson. So Adam's the only one who has Justin Fields in this group, ranked ahead of Zach Wilson, and that means... I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Adam, you got to give us the truth on Justin Fields. State your case.
2: Yeah, uh, I think for starters, I think the biggest criticism of him is like, oh, he can only throw to his first read. He's not getting through his progressions. Not that that's not partially true. I just think it's a little disingenuous because it's more of a half-field read type of thing. He's going through two or three guys, not typically going to the third, but goes to the second, I think, more often than most people realize. I think he makes... Mostly good decisions. Now, of course, there's mistakes there. That's any young quarterback. But, and I think we've talked about this enough on the show, uh, being a great rushing threat, especially as a young quarterback, is a massive deal, and he is that. I mean, (laughs) there's videos of him running down Trey Sermon on on touchdown runs. So, like, I think that rushing threat mixed with him, I think, being closer on a passing level to Zach Wilson than – um, others may may uh, may think I, I think that makes that gives him the the leeway to be the second guy.
1: The rushing's gonna be there. No one can refute that whatsoever. But while Zach Wilson might not be running a four five one necessarily in his forty yard dash, he is very, very mobile. The rushing totals are gonna be there with him too. He looks to run for those he reminds me a lot of Ryan Tannehill in the way that he runs where he's not going to necessarily run away from everybody, but he is going to pick up 20 to 40 yards. He is going to pick up a touchdown, sometimes two within the same game. And I'm sorry, but he's an infinitely better passer. He can throw from every single arm angle. He has a better deep ball, better intermediate, better anticipation, reads defenses better. The only knock I'll say on Zach Wilson, I don't even know how much of a knock it is, it's just a fact, is that he just didn't play against top-notch competition, so we don't have that film to go off of. But outside of that, I can't find a weakness. Dow Howard, back me up.
3: I mean, you know my personal opinion on the Wilson, I, I debate whether he should be with there with Lawrence. I think the one thing that you have to kind of keep in mind with Wilson is he's going to start probably day one for the Jets. I think when you look at somebody like Fields, I think he has some upside, but I don't. When we look at kind of where his landing spot might be, you don't really see a clear-cut starting opportunity for him. So maybe later on in the season he might be productive. I do like the legs, as Adam kind of pointed out. But to your point, Zach Wilson isn't some, you know, statue back there. He is definitely mobile. He can definitely do the RPOs. Um, he's definitely going to – he kind of – Tannehill, he kind of reminds me more of Andrew Luck. Um, Andrew Luck will look at that 40 50 yards too when he played fantasy and he kind of just – that's how he kind of always had that floor. I think Zach Wilson is going to be some very similar. And I think that when you look at the talent around him, it fits pretty well. You have Mims, you have Davis, you have Crowder. I think he's got an opportunity to put up some numbers, both passing and throwing.
1: I'll, I'll play devil's advocate real quick. What if Justin Fields went to the 49ers instead of Mac Jones?
3: Uh, I mean, he's not starting week one. And let's say trade Jimmy G. So I think it all makes me Zach, Zach Wilson still going to be my guy over him.
2: Okay, Adam, you can rebuttal since you're on your own. Yeah. Uh so Uh, First and foremost, I love Zach Wilson. I think he's a great, great quarterback, great passer. However, I do think there's more flaws to him than just that. The Houston game is the biggest example, uh, obviously, but I think there's pieces of inconsistencies throughout last season, especially with him throwing up a bunch of jump balls. Now in New York with Mims, with Corey Davis, that might be not that big of a deal. But I think it's concerning. There's some balls in that Houston game that I think against NFL corners or picks. Like, I. Quite a few, actually. You're
1: not wrong about that. The key was that he had pressure in his face up the middle, and that's something we've knocked on Zach Wilson here in the past. However, I will say this. As far as their pressure grade goes, Zach Wilson is a full grade ahead of Justin Fields when it comes to the pressure grade. He's at 75. Justin Fields is at 63. So he still ranks better than Fields does when having pressure in his face, and if you want to look at what Justin Fields does with pressure in his face, look no further than the Northwestern game. But we'll move on because we have another State Your Case coming up right away. Adam's going to be on his own again. He's going to be on his own again because Chris and I have Mac Jones ahead of Justin Fields. Chris and I will take the reins on that. I want the truth.
0: You can't handle the truth.
1: All right. Dow Howard, you can go ahead and make the case why Mac Jones is also ahead of Justin Fields in your book.
3: I think Matt Jones is more starter ready right off the bat. I mean, everything you hear from him, he's a bookworm. He loves the study of the game. He's already kind of established that he's like a point guard, like the says NFL, which is becoming more and more of a, a need. A lot of teams like the short passing game. Um, he he shows he's very effective to get his playmakers the ball, push the ball down the field. And like I said, for Justin Fields, I kind of think that he's have a good chance. He's going to sit the entire year this year. Um, I think it's been preferable for him to actually sit this entire year. I think he does have some issues reading defenses. I do think he can be effective using his legs on some RPOs, but I think you can actually throw an entire book, I mean playbook at Wilson and he can pretty much, you know, swallow it. He goes to to San Francisco, which is the rumor right now. Um, I Jimmy G kinda has the tendency to get hurt, banged up a little bit. And I think that you have an opportunity for you see that he gets on the field much earlier than Fields does, and when he gets out there, I think he's coming back off.
1: Go ahead, Adam. Why is Fields better than Jones? Or maybe well, we look- want to knock Jones here.
2: First of all, I think I need to get this out early that I I do come at this typically from the more dynasty perspective. So I will agree that Mac Jones is probably day one, a better starting option, but I think by the end of this season and definitely by next season, if I mean, obviously if the progression becomes a thing, then I, I think Justin Fields, I mean, the sky's the limit with the kid. His arm, maybe not Zach Wilson level, but he does have a great arm. He's, Obviously the mobility, the size is there, like everything is there and it's not like he's a Trey Lance type quarterback where he's a total pro, uh project. Like there's there's a lot to work with. So I, I would say definitely in a redraft Mac Jones should probably be going a little bit higher, but in dynasty I'll give me Justin Fields every time.
1: Look, it's tough to argue from the standpoint of he's going to have that um, high floor going back against the legs, but Mac Jones is the he might be the best pocket passer of this class, and he is ready to go NFL ready. He had 77 completion percentage, and he threw the ball way more than any of these guys. They they knock on Mac Jones as if he's not this accurate quarterback. He is. He's incredibly accurate. He's had his incredibly accurate deep ball on top of it. He always, always, always reminds me of Joe Burrow and Matt Ryan, both of whom were number one picks in their own right, in their own drafts. If he goes to San Fran, which is what the word on the street is right now, I still think it's Justin Fields, by the way, but it's the word on the street right now is Mac Jones. He's going to light up there with the weapons they already have in place within that system, even if he goes to Atlanta. Let's say the 49ers do take Justin Fields. Oh, who better to learn from than the guy I'm comparing you to and Matt Ryan? So even from a dynasty perspective there with the weapons that they'll have, I believe Mac Jones is a better pocket passer I believe he'll last longer in this league. Justin Fields, you got to show me that you coming out of Ohio State, you got to show me you're going to get past that first two reads before you always take off and run. Unless the offense you go to is going to be designed specifically for you to be an RPO action all the time. And then, then, then we'll have to see. But my main thing is that it comes down to Mac Jones. I think is going to be ready more day one. And I'm going to take that value while we wait and see while Justin Fields becomes. All right. All right. That's the last of our debates for the quarterbacks. We'll round it out. Trey Lance is all of our number fives. I am going to ask Dow though, why he has Trask on the same level of Trey Lance. It's not really a state your case moment, but a curious moment.
3: Um, I'm not nearly the big fan that everybody seems to be of Trey Lance watching the tape. I think that he's a, a check down player. I think he doesn't really push the ball down the field very much. Um, I think that one of the things that seems to be appealing is he doesn't have a lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions. That's because he, frankly, didn't take any shots. His offense was a little bit more uh, pro ready, I think, than Trask's was, but I think Trask has the ability to step in and make some big plays. Um, I think he has the gumption, kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick does, of throwing the ball down the field and pushing the ball down the field. He doesn't have the strong. What'd you say, buddy? He's got Moxie. <laughs> yeah, the Moxie, yes. Well, I mean, you saw it. I mean, he led up Alabama, he led up some good defenses this year. And I think when you look at a player who has a good idea of how to get his playmakers the ball, and you know, Matt kind of talked about Zach Wilson throws some jump balls, Stras can throw some jump balls up there, but it gives his players a chance to actually do something. Trey Lance to me is just pretty much a uh, reminds me of a lot of Cardell Jones in a sense, where it's more athletic, really, people who seem to be falling in love with. I'm not impressed with the the opposition he was against. I wasn't impressed with the numbers he put up. Um, he can have, he does have good legs, so I could see him, you know, getting some rushing yards here or there if he gets a chance to play. But I think he has no shot at starting this year. Um, Well, I think Trask, if he goes to the right situation, probably has a good chance. Um, He probably goes in the second or third round. But there's a lot of teams that are playoff contender teams that might have him as their backup quarterback, like a Pittsburgh, like a Tampa Bay, where if he gets an opportunity to play, he's going to put up some numbers.
1: You just gave him the death sentence of comparisons by comparing him to Cardale Jones. My goodness.
3: Adam,
1: Adam, what do you have to say to that?
2: I'm, I like Trey Lance. I think, yeah, you're right. He's not going to start this year. So uh, that's why he... He shouldn't but, anyway. He shouldn't. Yeah, He definitely should not. Um, but I think there is a lot to like about those physical attributes. And I do think that he he can improve. Um, there were times where it looked like the team treated him as their best running back, which is, I, I think, a point that's worth oh, being caught up. There was one point where I saw... They were in an empty backfield, so he's the only guy back there. And they also have no wide receivers. It's just the offensive line, tight ends, and him. It was some of the strangest stuff I've ever seen. But they love him as a runner. He's got a great arm. Once again, the ceiling's there for him to be fantastic, but it's a risk. It's a high-risk, high-reward type of thing. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. Look, Trask has a higher floor in a sense of everything about him is solid. Right. And that's why I grade him out to be a backup quarterback really for the majority of his career. I don't think this is guy is going to be a consistent starter throughout, which is why I definitely have Trey Lance ahead of him because the, the, while well, I agree with your synopsis, Chris, the physical tools are there to give him a much better upside than a Kyle Trask has. So that's what I'm going to go off, especially with the rushing ability, as Adam Adam just mentioned, when you're talking about this from a fantasy standpoint. So the potential is there, but. Would I be surprised at all if Kyle Trask, when it was all said and done, at the end of her career, started more games and Trent? No, I wouldn't be because of what you just talked about because I think there is a longer learning curve there, and I don't think he has all the fundamental aspects down. I, th- I look at him as a Jordan Love situation where it's going to be two years before he plays, ideally. Then maybe he has a shot. But if you try to play him this year, uh-uh, nope, that's not going to work out. Not going to work out at all before we move into the running backs where we have a little more debate that come. I do want to let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. And they want you to know that with the first pick in the 2021 draft, the men's grooming 2021 draft, the ball Saxonville Sagwires are selecting Manscaped. They're the leaders in below the waist grooming. And Mel Kuyper gave this grade, gave this pick a plus grade because this pick is a major upgrade for that Bush defense. For all my NFL draft fans out there, we have an exclusive 20% off promo for Belly Up Fantasy at Manscape.com, And the reason... Why Manscaped is the guaranteed number one pick is because of the performance package. This package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Inside the performance package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. So support the show and get a 20% off promo code using BellyUpFantasy and free shipping at Manscaped.com today. Let's get in these running backs, fellas. Let's see what we have here going across the board. Now we all have Najee Harris as our number one. So, Adam, walk us through why Najee Harris should be and is all of our number ones.
2: I mean, he's just a truck, but it's not that he's just a truck. Like, he's a better athlete than most of those like typical big powerbacks backs uh, are. He can he can accelerate really well. You know, he may not have the, the craziest top end speed, at least like when you're looking at like 40 times or something, but he could be someone similar to Derrick Henry, where in the NFL, when they do that miles per hour tracking gets kind of up there once he gets all that momentum going, he's got good vision, good and pass pro just just not a lot of ways to like knock him that that hard. I've said it once, I've said it a million
1: times, and I will keep saying it all the way through the draft. The dude reminds me of Nick Chubb when he runs the football, when he gets out in the space, the way he explodes through the line of scrimmage. Everything about him reminds me of Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb with hands, or should I say, (coughs) conceived with hands, so therefore he won't get pigeonholed. Let's move on into our next one. I
3: want the truth!
1: You can't handle the truth! And just in case you guys don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about our number two. Now, I feel a little bit bad for Adam because he was supposed to have Lamarro helping him out on this one. So he's on his own again. Chris and I both have a North Carolina running back ahead of Travis Etienne. Now, we have a different one, though. I have, uh, I have Williams. He has Michael Carter. Now, he's got both of them ahead of Travis Etienne. So, Chris, I'm going to let you take the floor first on this one. Why is Michael Carter and Javante Williams both ahead of Travis Etienne in your book?
3: Well, first of all, I'm I am absolutely have a man crush on Michael Carter. I, it's, it was hard for me to even put him at number two. I mean, I, I can't argue that Harris is top back, but I think Michael Carter is going to just wow the league when he comes in. He's explosive. He's got good hands. He's going to be a, a threat in the thir- um, on third downs, definitely. And I think once he gets opportunity to kind of show that he's not just a uh, rotational back, which a lot of people seem to trying to pigeonhole him at, I think he's going to be a starter, and I think he's going to explode into the, you know, onto the scene. I also think Javon Williams is really good. Uh, he's one of those players that I was kind of hating on in the beginning because I love Michael Carter so much, and I couldn't understand why he was ranked ahead of him. But when you look at the guy, he's 220. He can catch the ball. He can break tackles. He's physical, but he's quick. Um, I think when you look at Etienne, the, the difference between both those backs and Etienne is I don't think Etienne can pass protect, and I don't think he's a very, very, very good pass catcher. Um, I think he can be very effective in the right scheme. So if he goes to you know, and pops with the Jets or a team that has a, a cutback um, type of offense and allows him to kind of utilize his speed and quickness, I think he'd be effective. But doesn't break a lot of tackles, doesn't catch the ball that well, and I think overall the other two players are just more explosive. Ooh, more
1: explosive on an island on that one. Adam, Adam, what's yeah. your rebuttal?
3: Look at Carter's numbers. Yeah, he had one of the top... I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just
1: telling you what the perception is out there.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I love... Um, Not that either of those guys aren't explosive, by the way, because they are, but I do love uh, ETN's explosiveness. I think his top-end speed is incredible. His breakaway, like, home run... He's a home run threat every time he gets a carry. I don't necessarily disagree with you on the pass pro note, but... I think just given the fact that he will likely be the second back taken, if not third, I think I would bet pretty highly that he gets taken before Carter, and I think that alone will just keep him on the field a lot, just because of that sunken draft cost, and that's enough like for fantasy value at least early on, at least in the rookie years, to be you know very productive fantasy wise if he's just getting their rock 150 to you know 180 200 times that's enough to be a very good fantasy rookie running back.
1: I can't disagree with that. It's it's so here's the thing. What I'm worried about is the draft capital you're talking about, Adam, when you, when you start to encompass all the variables that go into this could give Travis Etienne a huge leg up from a fantasy standpoint, from a dynamic standpoint, because there is a very good chance that frankly, there's a very good chance. He might go as the first running back off the board. I mean, that, that doesn't seem to be ruled out with the way these NFL teams have been talking him up throughout this draft process. And that kind of goes back to what I'm worried about with Michael Carter. Chris, I'm with you. You know that. I love Michael Carter. He plays way bigger than his size suggests. People are going to realize that and understand that. But I don't know how quickly he gets his shot. To really get the the bell cow kind of work because I don't know where he's going to get drafted at and it's going to depend where he goes as well. I think he's a guy who does have some danger of getting pigeonholed, unfortunately, because of his size, unjustifiably so, which is why I have Travis Etienne one spot ahead of Michael Carter in that instance based on that. But Javante Williams, I'm sorry. Other than Najee Harris, I think he's the only other running back out here who has a chance to be a true three-down workhorse back, has the size, has the hands. I'm not worried about his four, five 8'40", because he's one of those guys that plays faster than that 40 would suggest on the field, on tape. I have no questions about what I see in his explosiveness th- through the line of scrimmage. And this goes back to when you talk about these 40 times, talk about these measurables in general. Again, we talk about this on the MD Spanish Football Show at 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on Fridays on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network every single week. There's, they're, meas- they're tools. Sometimes they matter more than others with certain players. When I see a guy who doesn't get hawked down who has no trouble getting through the line of scrimmage, who has no trouble breaking tackles, who has no trouble running around the corner on guys, getting to the corner on guys, I'm not worried about if he has a disappointing 40 that day because he's shown me on film that he has the explosiveness. He needs to do what he needs to do. He is a better pass protector than Travis Etienne. And Travis Etienne, on the other hand, I always thought his explosiveness was a little bit overrated. So when he ran a 4-5, I believe it was a 4-5-1, if I'm not mistaken... That was a bit disappointing. And frankly, he looked a little pudgy in his pro day too. Now, I don't know if he purposely put on weight just so he could weigh in heavier and he's gonna, you know, he'll lose all that come training camp time. That very well may be the case. But Travis Etienne to me, the reason why I have him a step below Javante Williams is because he is going to be schematic dependent upon where he gets drafted. Where I think Javante Williams fits anywhere he goes. That's why I have those guys ranked that way. Adam, do you have anything to rebuttal here?
2: Uh, not really. When I when I uh told you my uh top five there, I I made sure to mention I was very close between those two. I I can't it's like don't kill fight. Me. don't hurt me. I can't <laughs> fight back that hard on on having Williams above him. Uh, <laughs> definitely can't. Williams is fantastic. When you said Najee Harris um reminded you of Chubb, I I can't disagree with that too much. But I feel that way about about Williams. Excellent. When they run,
3: okay, it's okay. a great comp. <laughs>
2: Just did to you, point out, you?
3: Robinson was a leading r- rushing rookie last year, and he wasn't drafted, so it does not necessarily matter where you get drafted at.
1: Oh, that's true. But here's what we'll say to that: there were some on uh, there were some different kind of circumstances, unique circumstances that led to that happening that don't normally happen. You don't normally get rid of the guy who's supposed to be your starter uh, two weeks before the season starts. So true. Yes, but how about three hundred
3: years ago, though? He Santa was in the third guy? round, and he was and similar to Cream Hunt a couple years ago too. He was in the third round, and he was definitely again, still the most circumstances. rookie.
1: Unique circumstances we'll around, that as, around that as well. Not, that, it's not that impossible, just not as likely. Is all is all I'm saying. This uh, is great. Our, are we all came into a conclusion on our number five is Ramondre uh, Ramon Stevenson. I always want to call him Ramondre for some reason. Ramondre Stevenson. Adam, I'm going to kick this one to you because you were going to have Kenneth Gainwell in there. You decided that Stevenson was actually better. What made you come to that conclusion to put Stevenson over Gainwell, ultimately speaking?
2: Yeah, I, I told you I I watched that Florida game and I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't have anyone. Like, I could not have him on the list. Uh, His power when he runs is, it once again, It's he's a very powerful dude. He's what, like 250, 240? Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I know he had a. I believe he had a higher forty, but I don't. Once again, with you, It was a four, was a
1: four long, six six.
2: Yeah, but you watch him on film; it doesn't look to be an issue. There's honestly, like in that game and in a couple other games, instances of him getting to the edge, getting to the outside, and outrunning guys. So I'm not overly concerned about it. Obviously, speed isn't going to be his strength, but it's not the biggest issue in the world. I don't think especially if he can get into a role where um, maybe he's sharing time with like an Austin Eckler type guy who can be a receiving type threat, but he can get the bulk of the actual running carries and get touchdowns. I like
1: that. I talked about this on my show. I want him to go to Atlanta in the worst way and go pair up with Arthur Smith and have him go run through that system. <laughs> to your point, Adam, it's, it's, you're, yes, speed's not going to be his big factor, but with a guy that size, the way he runs, speed's not going to be part of his game anyway. It's his feet. is how nimble his feet are. It's how he makes guys miss. And the fact that when he puts his shoulder down, he's running you over. And the fact that he played in Oklahoma and was able to prove that, hey, you know what? I can catch the ball well enough coming out of the backfield. You don't necessarily have to pigeonhole me. It's really the difference. Chris, do you have a comment or two on Stevenson?
3: Yeah, I think you need to add some pass protection as well he's a big guy. He can take on some linebackers, he did show a well in pass protection. And to everybody's point, he's a big physical guy. In today's league, you got know, a lot of nickel and dime defenses you're facing. It's quite hard for those two hundred and you know, one ninety corners to tackle somebody like that. And you kinda of saw that when he gets somebody one on one, he's not going down first. So I think this is a player that can be highly effective and I think you know, I think we were all kind of ahead of the curve in this one because Ron J. Stevenson doesn't seem to be in many players' top five or many scouts' top five. But I think we have a player that we all think is going to be quite good in today's NFL
1: well, once again, they keep putting too much weight on measurables when it comes to certain guys. They keep putting too much weight on that four 6, 6, 40. I'm like, look, there's plenty of guys who ran four sixes and are plenty explosive. Kareem oh, Hunt Kamara. Kamara jumped the mind right off the bat. Now, I'm not saying he is those guys. He's a different type of running back than those guys are, but it's not a hindrance when you have the agile, balanced feet of a Ramondre Stevenson that he has. Now, for him, it's going to be all about where he goes to because when you're that big, unfortunately, there's only a few teams out there that are actually going to be willing to use you. But overall, Stevenson's in the top five. Get out And this Kenneth Gainwell. I'm glad Adam changed his answer because I was ready to pounce on him all over with the <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell thing because it drives me nuts because I'm like, the guy's not even going to be a running back at the next level. I do want to give another shout out again to our sponsor of the day, Manscape. Hey, hey, you, 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 you guys, you guys got Bush. I know you do. You know how I know you do? Because you haven't tried Manscaped. That's how I know you do. And after you try these life-changing products, you're going to want a ball sack beauty contest to show them off. I'm looking out for you, too, because I have a 20% exclusive discount offer when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at Manscaped.com. Get the Perfect Package 3.0 kit. It comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. All you got to do is use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com. So let's dive into the wide receivers, ladies and gentlemen. And when I say ladies, I mean Dow Howard because he has the longest hair. Uh <laughs> <laughs> We all have Jamar Chase, number one. We are all unison in our number ones, by the way. There wasn't a position that was different from any of us when it came to our number ones. I just want to point that out real quickly. Uh, Let's see, who did I went to the last time? Let's kick this over to Adam. Adam, what do you
2: see out of Jamar Chase? I mean, athletic freak, broke out young, got the size, played in big games in the SEC, went to the national championship, highly productive, Great hands, great route runner. There's, like, he's a great prospect. I mean, not a world beater, not, like, a a generational talent, but he's a a wide receiver one in most draft classes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because, no, he's not – He's not a Calvin Johnson. He's not a Holyo Jones. So we don't want to get carried away in that sense. But man, oh man, is he good. And I was so glad that he ran the 40 that he did because there's actually people out there who are questioning his athleticism as, <laughs> as ridiculous as that was because I'm like, I'm sorry, within two seconds of watching tape, I don't understand how that could even be a question. Go, go ahead, Dow Howard. What's your couple statements on Jamar Chase?
3: I don't think I'm hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, look at this guy. He had 20 touch 20 touchdowns. Um and he had a with a player like Justin Jefferson he was the top dog he was the youngest guy out there I mean he's just been explosive he can beat any kind of corner out there he's a great route runner his speed is deceptive in the sense that he's he's able to get on top of guys really quickly he's able to get in and out of his breaks he can't guard him he can take the screens and break it he can get deep on you um while he's not six four you know two twenty runs of four three he is a player that brings everything to the table. Um, and he's a hard to tackle. I think that's one of the things that you see he's able to, he's a bigger player. Um, He's not
0: bet. Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the bet. Fred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets. When signing up, no emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book. You can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. What'd you say? Great after the catch.
3: But yeah, I mean, that's, we saw A.J. Brown dominate with that, and I think that's something that I see that he's about a uh, similar traits to, where if you can you can get the ball and turn into a running back at the receiver position, especially like I talked about the small corners and small safeties we see in today's league, you're able to break that first tackle. You can break it and get big plays. Um, and you're a great route runner on top of it. He's one of the top guys with separation um, I think his average was around three, yard, three yards of separation per play last year. He's just an explosive, great receiver in my book.
1: Amen to that. Let's just take a look real quick at our second receivers. Now, again, Adam's going to be left on an island because, again, he was supposed to have Lamar help him out. <laughs> but it's okay. And it's time for I us. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Adam,
2: what's the truth on Devonta Smith over his teammate, Jalen Waddle? All right. Uh, I want to get the, the big the big knock on Devonta Smith out of the way. And I, I feel like you guys aren't too, too worried about this, given the refs of your top fives. But the size thing is so, so overblown. Uh, I mean, as you guys have mentioned, the NFL is getting smaller. And that is a great thing for those bigger running backs because they can barrel over these smaller guys. But it's also a great thing for the other smaller guys uh, because they're not getting killed by 250-pound guys all the time. Still a lot of those, but not near as much as there used to be. Um, I love, I think he's one of those guys that's just very, like, an 8 out of 10 at at everything. Like, he's very good route runner, very good hands. He's not killing you with his speed like Jalen Waddle is, but he's got decent speed. He's just a really good, well-rounded player. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's most of it. I'm pretty close between the two, but what really sold me on Smith over Waddle was that I think you can put Devonta Smith on any of the 32 NFL teams and he will be a very productive wide receiver two at worst.
1: Dow Howard, what's your case?
3: I mean, I I think Devonta Smith is really good, and I think Adam makes a great point about the size. I'm not super worried about Devonta Smith's size. I think he is a good route runner. I think he's able to get in and out of his breaks, and he's definitely shown he can dominate against even top competition my concern for him is that I don't think he's nearly as explosive as, as Guadal is. I think Waddle is one of those players that you can just utilize all over the field. And for fantasy purposes, you might see him in the backfield. You might see him catching screens. We kind of saw a similar uh, effect as the Brandon Ayuk last year, where he kind of came on as he got more and more featured. I think Guadal is even more explosive than Ayuk is. Um, and I think that Waddle has that ability. Once again, they separate him. Him and, him and um were, we're tied for the, for the three yards per, you know, um, when they were open, I'm sorry, three hours of separation that they were able to, to, to get on players when they got open down the field. He's able to, while it's just too fast, too, and a lot of people are kind of you know comparing to Tyreek Hill in some senses, I think he's a little bit bigger than Tyreek Hill as well. So I think it's like I said, you can use him all over the field, and he's a player that's just explosive.
1: Yeah, that kind of echoes what my sentiment was going to be, is that Jalen Waddle can do everything Devonta Smith can do, but faster. And that's what kind of boils down to, for me, between these two players. I think is, can be can be more of a game-changer. I think Devonta Smith is very good. But I also question, are we talking about Devonta Smith in the top end of the first round had Waddle not gotten hurt week five of the college season? Because up until then, Waddle was leading the way as far as being the top-notch receiver with the statistics. So that's what I question, and it very well could have been Mac Jones who would have been the Heisman winner had that been the case instead of Devonta Smith. So that would be my only concern is that when they were both on the field, Waddle was the main guy. Waddle was better. Like I said, there's nothing he can't do that Devonson Smith can do, but he just does it faster. That's ultimately why Waddle is ahead for me. So let's move into our next debate. Yes, the one debate after another. Of course, let's make sure we refresh everybody's memory of what everyone's top fives are. Dow Howard and I have identical wide receivers. I just kind of realized that. We both got Rashad Bateman at number three. Adam has Waddle at three, but we're not going to talk about Waddle again. What we're gonna talk about is why he has Elijah Moore ahead of Rashad Bateman at his wide receiver four and Bateman all the way down his little only little wide receiver five. Now, Adam and Warren, you better be careful because Rashad Bateman's our boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I like uh Rashad Bateman. I think he's very well rounded, but uh Dau-Hauer, how you were with, with Carter. That's how I am with Moore. He's my he's my draft crush. I love the dude. I think he's arguably arguably the best route runner in the class he's fantastic his uh, agility is great he's not as evasive maybe as a Rondell Moore which is something we'll get into in a in a second I'm sure but his route running is fantastic and his catching and coverage with like with guys on him for someone his size is fantastic and for someone that's going to be playing in the slot I mean most definitely that's important I saw him I mean, Matt Corral's not the greatest quarterback in the world. I saw him catching balls behind him, in front of him, extending at 5'9", 180. He, he can do it all in between the hashes. He can get deep. He's fast. What, you're not going to put him on the outside and expect him to be pressed man, but other than that, he can do anything you ask him, and I, I love that.
1: However, <laughs> before you answer, I want you to state your case for why Bateman and Rondale Moore are ahead of Elijah Moore in this one.
3: Well, I think Adam hit on why my more is better than his more, um, because I think my more is more explosive and is able to take any kind of you know, like he's utilized all over the field, he can run patterns just as well. Um and I think that when you look at him they're only not because he's five foot seven, the two inches to me doesn't really make it any different. But, um I think that more has the ability to when he he showed at Purdue that he can he's he's take the jet sweeps. I'm sorry. More and more and more and more. Rondell Moore showed in in Purdue That when he's able to He was able to utilize all over the field Elijah Moore to me is strictly a slot receiver I think that while Rondell Moore Might not be able to play on the outside necessarily in the NFL I think he's going to be able to be utilized As a gadget player in a lot of different ways I don't think Elijah Moore kind of brings the same explosiveness Or tackle breaking ability And I think that's the kind of difference for me And then Rashad Bateman To me this guy is is just DeAndre Hopkins all over again um, and with that 40, it just really made me even more excited about him. He's an outstanding, outstanding route runner. I think he is the best route runner in my book. Um, he's already got the veteran tricks available to how to get out of his breaks. He's able to kind of set guys up. There's not a route he can't run. I think any playbook he'll be effective in, well, I think some of the other guys might be a little bit uh, pitch and hold or a little more gadget use. Um, like Elijah Moore, for example, if he goes to a team that's prime like the 49ers, for example, they don't do a lot of three receiver sets. How much does he actually get out there? So I think you see somebody like Rashad Bateman, who's no matter what kind of offense you're running, is going to be effective. And I think he's a true number one receiver. I think Elijah Moore is a good complemented player, um, but I don't think that he's even in the same stratosphere as as Bateman.
1: Yeah, you kind of echoed what I was going to say, that Rashad Bateman lineup, day one, be the top receiver of any team that drafts him on the perimeter or even on the inside because he has a full route tree. Talk about the veteran moves, I watched a little more tape on this guy over the weekend, and just just his hand movement. It's not just that he has a full route tree and he's able to sink his hips and get in and out of his breaks crisply. It's the fact that he knows where to place his hands to get that little push-off, get that little extra separation that the referee is never going to see. It's a veteran move, what he's able to do. And be. Being at 190, don't care. We talked about this on Friday. Don't care because the guy plays is one of the most physical wide receivers in this class. I am not worried. He doesn't need to be 200 pounds for me to have confidence in him being able to do that. And the fact that he ran the 40 that he did, I think will amplify where he goes, how these teams look at him, and what he's truly capable of being able to do. You, Everybody wants to find the next justin Jefferson. It's Rashad Bateman. That's who it is. If you're looking forward from this class, it's Rashad Bateman. That's the next Justin Jefferson. As far as Rondell Moore goes, I think Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore are pretty much the same. Rondell Moore's two inches shorter, but way more explosive, way more agile in and out. And like Chris said, I think he will be used in a more variety of ways. Elijah Moore's got to go to the perfect place. I don't dislike Elijah Moore. Let's, let's, let's get that straight out there. I don't dislike mm-hmm. Elijah Moore. He He's a guy who I think he... Now, Chris, you know I don't like this player, but I think he's a better version of it. Jalen Rager... He's a better version of Jalen Rager, a much better version of Jalen Rager because he's not, he's a little bit more than just a one-trick pony. But even if he was, he's actually explosive enough to beat defenses over the top other than like a Jalen Rager. So Jalen Rager went in the first round. So that's why I want to say I do like Elijah Moore quite a bit. But Rondale Moore could do everything he could do. But again, like the Waddle conversation, faster. The two inches isn't going to bother me because ultimately both of these guys are going to be slot receivers anyway. But again, I will say there's a downfall of Rondell Moore because it, it will depend on who, goes to, who he goes to. Is it going to be a team that's actually truly going to take him with the idea of we have to utilize him in a certain way? Where Elijah Moore, I think, grays out to be a more prototypical slot receiver Where as long as he goes to a team that uses three receiver sets, I think he'll be okay. So I will put that out there as well. But Rashad Bateman, <laughs> Rashad, I cannot wait to see where Rashad Bateman goes. Let's move. Well, no, not. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to move into the tight ends. We're not quite well no, we did. We capped <laughs> off our top five receivers. Didn't we? With that last one. Yeah. We yeah. don't have Lamar. Well, so Marshall. Quick, that's, that's what was throwing me off. We don't have Lamarro to talk about Terrace Marshall and why that catastrophe is in his top five.
3: <laughs> God, I was just going to say a real quick for the Bateman point. You talked about the hands. His ability to get – he's shown he can get off press coverage. He's shown he can, he can get off the line. That's a key aspect when rookies are transitioning from the college to the NFL. Can you, can you get off that press coverage? Can you, get off, can you get guys past you? If you already have that skill set and you already have those kind of veteran savvy moves, it's going to really benefit you moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's how you make the leap, you know. Already in your in your rookie season, Lamaro, if you're watching, don't worry. We have one more show before the NFL draft. I'll make sure you get to say your two cents on Marshall before we kick into whatever that episode is going to be. I noticed let's we both find... don't
3: have the guy from Florida on our lists, who seems to be a first round talent to a lot of people for some. Oh, reason. Oh, Kadarius,
1: Darius Tony, you want? To, we have some time. Do you want to talk about that for a second? <laughs> well, first, let's see. Let's see what Adam has to say about Darius Tony first. I, I was curious, right, that's
2: why I wanted to see what Adam thought. Yeah. <sighs> I've I feel like I feel like he has a skill set similar to despite being bigger similar to the the Rondell Moore the Elijah Moore the Jalen Waddle except for he's not nearly as good at it but like he despite being bigger he does not project to me as an outside guy he's not someone that I think is going to be beating press man at the NFL level like he's a gadget role slot receiver type guy and he's definitely not as good as those three
1: Okay, Darrell what did you want to say
2: I was going to say,
3: we watched Chenault last year in Jacksonville, and we heard all the hype coming into the year and how high how explosive he's going to be and how good he was going to be. And we saw he's a one-trick pony. He can catch screen passes, and that was about it. I think, I think Tony, as Adam kind of pointed out, I think this guy is pretty much a gadget player. He's pitching hold to the slot, but he's not a great route runner. He doesn't do anything that jumps off the tape to me. Um, and I think when I look at all around, I think he's just going to be – a guy who catches maybe four or five passes for you know, 30, 40 yards because he's going to try to make people miss, but I don't really see him as being anything special.
1: Yeah. I'll echo what my sentiments have been on him this whole time is that we don't even know what position he's going to play. <laughs> is he going to be a wide receiver? Is he going to be a running back? You're not big enough to actually take on a load as a running back. You don't run good enough routes to actually be a wide receiver full time either. And I'll, Gadget players. How often do gadget players actually get on the field? How many times do we hear Taven Austin was gonna have this great run with the Dallas Cowboys? Because well, oh, we're gonna use him this way. We're gonna use him that way. Cordell Patterson, we can he's a weapon. He's not a he's not a receiver, he's not a running, he's a weapon. How often do you get on the field? <laughs> Never. So it's the same deal with a Kadarius Tony. I don't trust that he's ever gonna get on the field. I said this on Friday. The the best case scenario, best case scenario is that he's Curtis Samuel. That's the best case scenario. And again, last year, Curtis Samuel's big, quote-unquote, breakout year, third best receiver on the Carolina Panthers. That That's his ceiling. That's his absolute ceiling. Not impressed with this guy. And that type of player, to, especially when you're talking about this from a fantasy standpoint, which is what this show is about, doesn't usually pay good dividends. So don't get swept up in your rookie drafts with Kadarius Toney. I don't care where he goes. He's not going to see the field all that consistently. So, yeah, now glad you brought that up as another receiver who gets talked up a lot in that group. Now let's move into the tight end situation, which, again, we all have number one, which, I mean, with this class, I don't know if there can be a debate at all at number one. (laughs) So, Adam, what are your thoughts on Kyle Pitts?
2: Uh, I mean, he's one of the better wide receivers in this class. If that gives you a – like he's probably at worst my two as a wide receiver. Uh, He's a freak, freak athlete. He's the generational talent that, like, as a receiver that we're talking about. Uh, he, he's an incredible receiver, and he's at minimum an average blocker. It, at tight end, that that's pretty much all I need to say. He's got the size. He's got blazing speed. He's a matchup nightmare. He's honestly, like, a lot of safeties he's going to be both bigger and faster than. Like, it, he's a matchup nightmare for everyone. It, I, I don't know. <laughs>
1: All right, Dow hold on. I
2: want the truth! You can't handle the truth!
1: Now, Adam, you're not on our show, the NBC football show, on Fridays from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You
3: can pull in, Adam.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to pull him in to this debate. Here's the state your case debate. We're going to let Dow go first. Oh, Kyle go. Pitts or Jamar Chase, which one should go higher? Which one is better? Go ahead, Dow since I had to cut you off the show last week. You can take the floor first.
3: Here's the thing, Adam. I said that when it comes down to the receiver, Javar Chase is a better receiver, and I would rate him higher than Pitts. Now, who I would draft higher depends on what my needs are. But when I look at Chase, I think that we all kind of talked about this is a player that can fit in any system, he's a great route runner, and he's just going to be productive from day one. Pitts isn't great after the catch. He is very explosive. He does get down the field. He is six foot six. He's a mismatch. He runs rate forty. Um, and he, one of the things I give him a lot of credit for is he runs incredible routes. He's able to get low, use his body, and get out of those breaks. He's going to be a great on the option routes. He's going to be spectacular on the option routes. He can go up and get it. But I think Chase is a better receiver, and the argument basically was that would Pitts be your top receiver if he came out as a receiver versus a tight end? And he would not be my top receiver. He would, he would be up on the top five definitely, but he wouldn't be my top receiver because I still think he has things that he needs to improve on tight end mismatches you're kinda of talking about versus safeties and linebackers he's gonna eat him up all day every day. Versus a corner, I've seen six foot six guys that are on good forties, AKA Darren Waller, um going to sixth round. So that's where I kind of kind of pointed out that it doesn't necessarily because he's a good athlete at the tight end means he transitions to a great receiver necessarily. Dan thinks he's Calvin Johnson in some senses, and that's where kinda of where we differed, where I think he's really good and very productive and he will be spectacular, but he's not gonna he's not gonna be the same kind of player for complete receiver.
1: Now you also argued that if he came out as a wide receiver, that all the GMs would see it your way as well, which really hasn't been case. the case. The, 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 there's already been the narration out there that a lot of people view Kyle Pitts as the best pass catcher, period. didn't say all the GMs.
3: He not say all the GMs. <laughs> so let's not get it twisted.
1: Anyway, anyway <laughs> look, I don't disagree with the idea that Kyle Pitts' value in some senses gets boosted by him being a tight end because he becomes a bigger mismatch problem from that. However, if he was listed as a wide receiver, he would be just as much of a big mismatch problem because there's no corner who would be able to cover him at 6'6", 245 with the way he can move in and out of his breaks, the way he catches his elite hands, the way he can fly. No, no corner could stick with him. So, and he would be that receiver. They would move inside and outside. And as far as your Darren Waller point goes, I'm pretty sure if teams could do it all again, he'd be going a hell of a lot higher than the sixth round. So, Kyle Pitts, I think, is more of a game changer than Jamar Chase. Therefore, whether he's at tight end or wide receiver, I would take Kyle Pitts higher. And I thought it was actually funny today because we talked about this on the Friday show too, that Atlanta Falcons coming out saying talking about that they want to maybe take Kyle Pitts with the fourth pick. And I said if he goes there, he'll be dominant in his rookie year, meaning he'll be the first redraft tight end in his rookie year who will be highly productive. Go ahead, Adam, who do you think's right and wrong?
2: I, I think I think you're both shades of right. I think I think that as a wide receiver I would take Chase I would not hesitate to take Pitts in almost any situation in the draft earlier than chase. Even if chase is today, the better wide receiver, because one, the ceiling as a six, six, you know, four, four receiver would be insane. He is a great route runner, which is, I I think where, you know, those other guys that fit into that prototype tend to fall off that aren't Calvin Johnson. And, but yeah, I, I think you are right that the better wide receiver year one would be Chase.
1: Well, way to steer that down the middle, ultimately <laughs> speaking. Adam, up for mayor of Cincinnati <laughs> coming to you. Okay, let's get back to the actual show at hand with the tight ends. Let's take a look. Who our number twos are? Now, this one, Dowhauer is going to be on an island because all of us went with Freermuth, but he went with Hunter Long. So I Dau- want the truth! <laughs> Can't handle the truth. State your case as to why Hunter Long is your number two tight end.
3: I am not a big Vermouth fan. Um, I watched in Penn State. I heard a lot of the hype. I think it, uh, people talk how explosive he is and how talented he is. He didn't put up great numbers in Penn State. He's not a good route runner. Um, he's big, but he's the same size as long. He might be a little more explosive running 40-wise, but I don't think he can get in and out of his breaks as well. And I think Long's definitely a better, but more productive blocker. And I think he can up all over the field. One of the things you saw in Boston college is they ran a lot of two, three, four tight end sets. Um, they were one of the teams that Boston were like college. kind of, yeah, Boston college ran kind of like a, a, a funky offense in some senses, but they kind of did a fast paced, multiple tight end set. Um, and he was fast able to kind of up <laughs> basically in some <laughs> senses, um, but they were basically, he was able to go up against corners. He was able to get safeties. They moved them all over the field and you saw he could beat those guys. Vermouth was kind of primarily used as a tight end. And like I said, he wasn't highly effective. Um, he didn't wow me at Penn State. I don't think he has nearly the skill set that Gusecki had. And I think because Gusecki was so talented, he gets kind of off his, you know, he's kind of living off that, that idea what his player can bring to the table. I don't really think that Vermouth has the same kind of, is going to start from day one. I think he'll be a, a player that may be part of packages, part of being used, but I don't think he's not necessarily the starter. I think once you see Long out there, he can block. He's going to play. I kind of reminds me of what Will Disley was, um, where people just it, he was just primarily a blocker. But you kind of saw when he got, it was offered an opportunity to be out there, he can be productive. He can be really lost nice in the red zone, and he can line up in the slot. He can line up in the outside. So I just think overall he's going to have more of a chance to be successful.
2: Yeah, to uh,
1: remember, I actually got your back on this one.
2: Yeah, I know. Being on uh, – having someone else has uh, <laughs> been a while. Uh, but – so I think what it came down to for me between between those two is I think that as receivers, they're very similar and that they, they build speed going deep. Like up the seams, I think they can both build speed and get behind safeties, but I don't think either is that great at breaking underneath to the outside. That being said, I think after the catch, especially on those short passes, Freer Muth is a lot better. I think at, like his run after the catch ability is great. His stiff arm's is great. He can move a lot. It's weird because as a route runner, it does it doesn't look like he is that quick. But after the catch, it feels like he is. It's such a strange thing, but he he did look great after the catch on like slants and you know however they were able to get him out and they didn't move him outside a ton, but they did do it, which I, I think is at least worth mentioning. He can you know, kind of do that. It's not his game, but he can do it.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning real quickly because I, I want to I put this out there that I'm not really thrilled with any of these tight ends after Kyle Pitts. Agreed. agreed. So mm-hmm. I don't want to get too crazy over it or anything like that. <laughs> but here's what I'll say. Ultimately, came down to this for me. I see all the all round skill set of a Hunter Long. I see a guy who's never going to be anything more than a solid backup tight end which is why I had him all the way down at number five. I don't see upside there. I don't see overexplosiveness. I don't see a guy who's good after the catch. I see a guy who's solid at a little bit of everything, will be an NFL tight end for a long, long time, but will never, ever, ever be fantasy relevant. Pat Freerma does have a skill set. I'm glad Adam mentioned this, He's very good after the catch. When you get those drag routes coming across, if you ca- if you are able to actually hit him because the, the Penn State quarterback play was horrendous. <laughs> but if you can actually hit him in stride, he almost turns into the mentality of a running back after the catch. And his seam route while it may just be in a straight line, is faster than Hunter Long. So from a fantasy perspective, I think he has more of an upside skill set where I could see him being in a situation where maybe he turns into a Dalton Schultz, a Blake Jarwin type, where if he goes into the right situation where you can get playing time, he'll actually be able to produce some kind of fantasy numbers where I don't think Hunter Long ever will and doesn't have that skill set to do so. So that's ultimately why Pratt-Fearman, I have a two, and Hunter Long, I have all the way down at number five which is going to lead into our next one that we have for you guys, if I can pull out I want the
0: truth. You
1: can't handle the truth. It's going to lead into our next one because, again, Dow alone on an island, reppin', repping, repping reppin the U. I don't know if you would really want to go down with the U flames on this guy, though. <laughs> Revin Jordan over Tommy Tremble. And we all had Tommy Tremble ahead of Brevin Jordan. So, Chris, state your case why Brevin Jordan belongs over Tommy Tremble.
3: As a U fan, I will say Brevin Jordan's 40 definitely disappointed me. I would expect him to run that slow. Having hey. said that, when you watch him on the field, he is in a lot of ways a glorified receiver. He runs you run your Jordan Reed. Um, he's able to get out of his breaks. He's explosive. Um, he's able to be lined up all over the field and utilized all over the field. I think he's a player that you're going to see be targeted a lot more. Um, I think when you look at Notre Dame kid, he was prim- tremble. He was pretty much utilized more as a blocker. He does have a little bit more height, uh, a little more physical, but I don't think he has nearly the hips, nearly the running, the ability to catch the ball. And I think you're going to see that when uh, Jordan has the opportunity to kind of be out there, you're going to see that he's going to be used a lot more as receiving versus as a blocker. I think it's going to be, you know, fantasy wise. We care about who catches the ball and who gets the yards. So I think when you look at it, Jordan's the guy that you rather have than looking at somebody who's more going to be used primarily as a blocker. I think early in his
2: career. Get ahead, Adam. So <clears throat> I, I agree with that. That he is um, in that, like he will be almost essentially receiver. But what worries me is that. <sighs> I feel like he's going to be a below average move tight end where he might not even be the starting move tight end on the team. Which, I mean, you know, if, if there's a blocking tight end and a move tight end above you, that's not great. With Tommy Tremble, I know he's going to get it on the field because I think he's the best blocker in the draft at tight end. And he has a lot of upside as a receiver. He's not there yet, but he has a lot of upside. And on film, he's not a great receiver yet, but he has this insane mentality where he's just trying to, like, as a blocker, he's trying to kill people. Once he gets the ball in his hand, he's trying to kill people. He's, like, one of the toughest dudes, like, I I remember watching out of this class, at least at the tight end position. I think
1: there's a chance. There's a chance. Again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. Not crazy about any of these tight ends. So not going crazy, but I think there's a chance Tommy tremble could do something similar to a college check. There's a chance because I think if he runs him in the right situation, he could actually become a fullback. And with his athleticism could become somebody who catches the ball out of the backfield. I see multiple ways of of a guy like Tommy tremble getting on the field. I don't think Brevin Jordan ever sniffs an NFL field period. I, I, and that's, Um, that's the, that's the part (laughs) he's, not a good route runner for being a glorified wide receiver first and foremost, he's not that explosive as we found out on his pro day and on tape. I'm not really blown away by his explosiveness to begin with. His hands are about the same. I, here's, here's what ultimately wound up being the key for me. Tremble is a better pass blocker, or better blocker in general. Therefore, I think he's going to get on the field faster. But I think he has similar athleticism, if not a better athlete, and his, his measurables might suggest that he is a better athlete, than Brevin Jordan. Now, he's got a long way to go with his hands catching the football, got a long way to go with the route running. I'm not trying to say that. But I think he'll get on the field, and he has athleticism where he gets the ball in his hands. He has a chance to actually do something with it, and he could turn into a fullback at some point in his career. I'm sorry, Chris. Brevin Jordan's never siffed in an NFL field.
3: I think Brevin Jordan's Josh Allen <laughs> High, Higher prospect rated than Pitt's coming out, just to remind you that he's not some bum out there, guys. Where is he now? <laughs> so you're where is he now? He's going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted. He's, get drafted. So he's, at right now, he's yeah, going to get draft.
1: drafted. I'm not saying he's so not going to get drafted.
3: That wasn't so the argument. Where is he now? What do you mean, where is he now?
1: <laughs> where is he now? On everyone's board, this guy at best is the third best tight end.
3: Agreed. At, at, my, that's bet. why he's my third best tight end on my board. Exactly. <laughs> not my not my fourth, fifth, or what you guys are saying. My third best, and he's gonna be receiver. So go ahead and keep with your argument. I'm listening.
1: He's Josh Oliver, and Josh Oliver has yet to sniff the field. Where there's some athletic ability. But because he doesn't block and because his athletic ability isn't that great to begin with, there's no reason to, re- to put this guy out there. Have we not None. seen
3: left no redeemed tight ends and the Kyle Rudolphs of the world? And they world. all play. No, they all
1: play. And, and they're the so point. productive
3: fantasy wise. <laughs> I didn't say
1: they're so productive. They're so productive fantasy wise. They but they're all
3: productive fantasy wise.
1: But they all play. Okay. So I'm gonna and take a block. chance that at least he gets on the field, he might have a chance to play. And Tommy Tremble's a little bit more athletic than some of those other guys are. Like I said, don't want to go crazy, because ultimately speaking, outside of Kyle Pitts, I don't know how long these guys are actually in the NFL or how productive any of them are from a fantasy perspective. Anyway, we're going to wrap up the show a little bit earlier than we normally do tonight. I guess that's what happens when you have no Lamaro around. We lose a half hour of our time. But get better. We'll see him soon. A couple of weeks. We'll be back. Not sure what we're going to do yet. Might be a mock draft. Might be some more evaluations. We'll talk about it and get back to you guys, because we're going to be back right here. At Belly Up Fantasy in two weeks, right before the NFL Draft, right before the Belly Up Sports' MDs and BUFL's draft coverage, where this group, including Lamaro, will be there for the top five picks. Chris and I are hosting the entire thing all the way through. I think I believe uh, Adam Lamaro coming back in the second round on on day two as well. First first round, second and third round completely streaming live, commercial-free, 50 different guests. Guys, make sure you check it out. It's going to be at BellyUpFantasy, all your social accounts, at Belly Up MDFF Show on YouTube. You have no excuse to miss it. It's literally going to be streaming everywhere for you guys. Cannot wait for that. But we will have one more show right before that. So everybody, keep watching, keep following. We have great content coming out. Adam, you have an article on the way.
2: Yeah, I'll, I've been doing a – I've separated the – 32 best running backs into tiers for Dynasty. I'll be dropping Tier 3 later in this week. I'm thinking, either, I'm thinking Thursday. I'm thinking Thursday.
1: Okay. T- tier 5 and Tier 4 were excellent reads, too, by the way.
2: Howard,
1: why don't you let everybody know what we're going to be talking about on Friday on the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
3: Well, you definitely check us out for M- on MD Nation. Um, we're going to be getting into more of our, our draft analysis and breaking down some more of our... Moving forward, preparing for the draft, and we're going to get you guys all prepped and excited. And we're going to talk about my team's like the you.
1: My team's like to you. We're going to be talking about the coaching changes, fantasy impact, too. Uh, we're going to yes, run through all of that. So that's going to be this Friday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. Guys, I'm Dan Mater. Check me out at Belly Up MDFF Show. I'm on there every single day, always there to help and answer your questions, whatever you guys need. Check out all the other great content from Belly Up Fantasy Live. Tomorrow, the Belly Up Fantasy Live baseball stream will be out, I believe, at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you guys check that out at Belly Up Fantasy 2. Kevin and those guys are doing a great job getting you through your baseball seasons that are finally on. So they actually have live sports to talk about, unlike us, where we get to argue about theoretical processes here. But it's all, all great fun. Well, guys, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Everybody take care.